This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Computer, this is Data. I'm an android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello, welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z. Joining me as always is Tim, aka Crangers Make Basketball. And Tim, it has been a rough week for Lakers basketball. Now there's been wins. You cannot complain. They're getting it done at the end of the day, but it is not pretty. As last night we were recording this the day after the Lakers beat the Oklahoma City in overtime without Anthony Davis uh, after taking Detroit to double overtime at home the game before. So, Tim, it's been ugly basketball, but just as we were talking, we don't really want to watch the film, but I do feel like some of this uh, has been instructional, at least, in seeing, you know, what's going wrong with the offense and and maybe, you know, where they can use Wes Matthews against a Oklahoma City Thunder team who doesn't have a lot of guards who can who can take advantage of his weaknesses. So it's in, you know, we obviously had no Caruso, no AD against OKC. So I don't know, man, like, how do you how do you unpack this kind of weird week from Lakers basketball? I was coming into this ready to be like, hey, the Lakers haven't played since Thursday and we're not going to acknowledge the past two, two games. And then I pulled the schedule up to figure out the exact dates and I look and we've won the five, the past five games in a row. And like yeah. that doesn't jive with my the way I've left those games feeling. So it's it's been a grind. It's been unpleasant at, at a lot of times, but I do think we can learn a bit from it from our perspective and then also I think the Lakers have been able to learn a bit and through some injuries and whatnot they've been able to fight through and get wins regardless which I guess is what matters um I think the West call out is a good one I think we've seen and I don't want to belabor this because we've talked about this plenty but in terms of countering the help post defense I started tracking it game by game and the percentage of the time that we counter it has gone up all season long it's been the same sort of thing where when we counter it it works when we don't counter it we're inefficient, but we seem to be increasing the variance in types of, in terms of the types of stuff we're doing. And we've seen the percentage of the time that we're countering it go up to almost 70% by now. So that's encouraging to me. And yeah, let's talk about Wes Matthews because after sitting, I don't know how many games in a row he played, Keith played, I think Wes certainly looked better than Keith. And yeah, for me, I think the, the thing with the two of them is if we want to play Wes more, you can have Wes playing, at the three LeBron at the four with AD out, or if it's West isn't looking good, Keith's looking better LeBron at the three Keith at the four. So we have a little bit of uh, flexibility in terms of who we use and how we use them given 
what LeBron's able to do. Um, and, and I, I mean, I've been thrilled with what we saw from West that last game. And I feel like he's somebody that I would like to see given another real shot to be a big piece of this rotation. And part of his success is he's not in the lineup of man. You know, we didn't have Anthony Davis and we still didn't run that lineup out there Uh, and Caruso as well. So you're seeing the personnel get mixed and matched a little bit better uh, with THT out there in moments to kind of give you some kind of shot creation or last second, you know, heave ability just to save you in a possession or something like that. So the offensive end is not as as bad. And then he was hitting some nice shots uh, from three, not just spot ups, but he caught a, a movement three that like we're still excited by the potential of but we haven't seen it too much so i that's good he had 16 points at five of seven you know it's not a lot of games he gets up seven shots and it's kind of only the games where he makes like five threes that you know but i thought this was by far his best game as a laker you know just uh, on the def- defensive end, he was uh, communicating better. He felt more connected as part of that five-man defense with guys like Trez, who obviously they don't have any chemistry coming into the season. So with them not playing probably too many minutes together, like outside of the lineup of meh, you know, I, I just want to see, yeah, some of those other combinations that theoretically could work, but haven't really been helped out by the circumstances around them. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think Wes had a great game. I thought Trez had an amazing game, 21 points, eight rebounds, really active on, on defense, bringing a lot of energy. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I thought it was all in all like an instructional game, even though I'd never want to watch it again. Yeah, yeah. Wes played well. He's now at this point, even though he's hasn't played all that much big picture, he only has, what, like 300 minutes or so? He's been our second most effective spot up scorer. And he's someone that can do it catching and shooting stationary or moving or even off screens. So the, that kind of guy can fit in a lot of lineups. And I think the big piece for him that I was really excited about from this last game was his defense. And not just that he was effective, but he was effective and almost as a defensive playmaker, generating turnovers, deflecting balls. We saw how, Hey, when we actually do use him in the right role, he as as that wing stopper kind of guy, he can play good one on one isolation defense. And we saw that possession after possession, which was was cool to see because, you know, from my perspective, I'm thinking these things and then he falls out of the rotation. and I'm like, am I wrong? Am I seeing things wrong? And then I go back on the film and I'm like, no, he's just been asked to do the wrong things. And then yesterday was a little bit more validation of that. So shouts to him. I like you calling out Trez. Trez was really effective as a scorer. He was active on the boards. Uh, he is not he does not have very good vision and when teams start sending extra help against him he's to his credit he's scoring through it a good yeah. bit but it doesn't seem like a sustainable long-term thing so we've got to get him in the film room and seeing hey you know they're sending an extra dude here's where our guys are cutting and moving to make themselves open you just give that a look first and then if it's open get it there if it's not open then go to work but he's he's been in full attack mode and it's you know we're seeing the pros of that but the cons come out as well and uh but big picture he still played a really good game so i was pleased with what we saw i think kuz has continued to show growth and activity and the hustle plays the cutting the crashing the boards he's doing a lot of little things better and he's from an iq standpoint from a behavior standpoint doing what you want to see 
he has just been a little bit unlucky, I think, in terms of his efficiency has been kind of poor on some of those hustle plays, like the putbacks. He's been really, really bad. Cutting, he's been really, really bad. And they're almost like free points, so it's hard to complain about it. Uh, but once that starts leveling out and, and balancing out and he's scoring more efficiently, we're going to see him uh, get some some higher scoring games as well. And I liked what we saw from him with AD out. I was a little bit worried he might try to do a little bit too much. But the volume up from him turned out to be more off-screen stuff, which we hadn't seen in a couple weeks. Um, and and I just I like the way he was still able to stay within himself, even though the roster changed a little bit. So I think that was an encouraging sign as well. And the last guy I want to shout out had a bit of a mixed game. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, five for sixteen overall, one for nine from three. Ouch! Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had ten rebounds, five of them offensive, and he's credited for two blocks, Tim. But I would say that there was at least four or five plays that he changed and like contested shots that changed the outcome of the play that didn't go down as blocks. So I would say five total like rim defender plays. And he's really settling into that active off ball guy who can sometimes catch hot from three, but sometimes fires it up. Like he offensively knows his role and is fitting it much better. Although I saw you posting about him. Isn't his offensive LeBron like worse than any point in his career? Yeah, it's been bad overall this year. His defense is at a career high, and that's good. Okay. And we're seeing him make the routine plays. And like you said, he's he's getting blocks. He's playing good back line defense. His offensive LeBron, you're right, it's it's down. It's gone down. And I'm fr- from like a when we've rerun it over and over, it's been trending up. I think just earlier in the season, it worked its way down. And from a, an on-off data standpoint, he's been my, uh, negative. So over time, I think that'll correct itself a bit. The behaviors are there. The results just haven't been there as much. And I think a big piece of that is the fact that he just has been a little bit unlucky on like putbacks or he's not. Mm-hmm. He's getting to the rim and then it looks like he's almost rushing things on some of his cuts and not cutting to finish strong. He's cutting and he's active and you see it and it's the right thing. He's just got to convert on some of those plays. So clean a little bit of that up and I think he will continue to be trending upward. And I mean, if he ends up at the end of the year being like our seventh or eighth dude, that's about average for both his offensive and defensive LeBron. Like that's a really positive contributor at that role in your rotation for the money that we're paying him. For sure. And kind of the way I think of it, Tim is like in years past, if I told you, you know, last year, Kyle Kuzma went five for 16, you probably would have been like, oh man, he had an awful game because that's about as much as he gave. But the right this year, I wouldn't go to say he had an awful game. Like one for nine for three is terrible, but he made impact plays and he is negative six. Uh, one of the only Lakers in the negative in this weird game, the Lakers should have won in, you know, uh, in regular time. But I just wanted to shout him out for still like, yeah, if, if, when you go five for 16 and one for nine from three and then like give you something on defense, it doesn't make your minutes absolutely like the worst negative mm-hmm. imaginable that yeah. kind of felt like he used to. Yeah, his the behaviors have changed. I think that's the big thing for me. Shooting, he might go one for nine or six for nine, but that can't be the only way you evaluate whether or not he had a good game. He does those the little things better. He does the fundamentals better. He's taking the right shots for the most part, which has been a big change for him. So the behavior the behaviors are there. I believe in the talent. I don't think he's some some crazy high level guy that that the Lakers are holding back or something like that. But he understands his role and. A bigger picture on the season, I think he'll be able to continue p- performing uh, if he continues those good behaviors and 
shots just start falling because he's taking the right shots and he's doing the right little things that you can easily, you know, get bothered mentally if your shots aren't falling and then you push that more and you you know start getting away from some of those defensive things. But he's he's making the right plays. And I think that's the big takeaway for me. Big picture. I think he'll be OK. Awesome. Uh, so kind of wrapping this into like our last game reaction with, you know, we played the Thunder again. So take all of our analysis about this one game with a grain of salt, Tim, because while well, they're only like 10 and 13, I think. A lot of people think the Thunder, you know, maybe the least talented team in the league, maybe next to Detroit, who also took us to overtime. So, you know, back to back, you know, bottom seller teams taking the Lakers to overtime. It's part of why this stretch has been frustrating, but we didn't have AD, um, just kind of rest and maintenance. Uh, Caruso jammed a couple fingers. So I expect him to be back tomorrow. So how, how do you see the Lakers kind of adjusting to this first matchup with OKC to, uh, to kind of limit their offensive rebounding advantage Tim, I saw they had like 28.2% offensive rebound rate in that game, which is an insane offensive rebound rate, honestly. And, uh, it really hurt the Lakers. So how, how do they focus on that specific area? You think, uh, to, to get another win against this team, it's going to have to be a group team effort. When you're down a big man and you have a lot of minutes with like LeBron at the four and he's a guy that likes to help a bunch and and fly around and make good plays more so than a lot of power forwards would. And a lot of power forwards would just kind of stay in the paint and then be able to be in a better rebounding position. When you have guys who are such good help defenders like that, sometimes they'll take themselves out of position for the board. We need all five defenders focusing on that and this is kind of the other side of the well you can stop them on the boards by pushing in transition if you're not winning on the boards and you can't push in transition you're just you're just losing that battle overall but if the lakers can sandwich rebound a little bit more have their guards crash down from the perimeter have their big men boxing out and you just have to win some individual battles that that can help clean that number up a little bit and then try to push. Uh, It's not necessarily leak out and then go for the touchdown pass. Every time you might have to win the ball first and then run hard. Um, So it's, I don't know, it's a, an a before B sort of thing that uh, if you don't do a, you can't get to B and then OKC's attacking five on four because you've got a guy leaking out or something like that. So I think team rebounding, boxing out, it's going to be have to be the guards, the wings. I need to see THT, LeBron, Schroeder. Like, these guys need to hustle. I think Caruso, if he's back, will certainly help with that. Um, but, yeah, that that's really – rebounding a lot of times is a hustle thing. When I worked with a team, it was very much a, like, charting the hustle, charting the box outs, and that directly correlates with the results. Um, so a lot of things are technique or skill. Rebounding on the defensive end a lot of times is just hustle. Yeah. And I, I partly bring that up, Tim, because I think it's relevant over the overall kind of uh, path for this team because they like to get in transition. And I've brought up their half court offense, you know, rating a lot. And it's bad in a lot of these games. And what saves them is their ability to defend and turn those into transition opportunities. But if they, you're going against a team who's a good offensive rebounding team, that limits you. You know, it's a double edged sword that can cut you both ways. So it's not necessarily all you know a good solution. It's yes, if you get that rebound and you don't have to crash down. And this is maybe more relevant for if AD does play against this specific team, but in the future against a Denver, another good offensive rebounding team. You know how how do they 
adjusting the half court offense because it's connected. It's all connected. What you have to be mm-hmm. in the half court now to stop the defensive rebound. Maybe your lineups are different because THT is a better rebounder than KCP. You know what I mean? It really does flow through all the decisions up and down the team. So I'm just kind of tracking this, not specifically for OKC, but kind of in general, you know, when teams start to offensive rebound well against them, how, how they adjust. Yeah, it's a zero-sum game, whether you want to get in transition or crash those defensive boards. And when you have an advantage and you've got AD playing and you've got like him and Gasol and then like LeBron, when those guys, you feel confident in them being able to win the board, then you can take that extra risk and be sprinting dudes out and trying to get the transition passes. But when you're at a disadvantage with AD out in these much smaller lineups, it, it it's it becomes even more risky to try to push that advantage that may not be there. So given the personnel available, that may dictate how you decide to game plan from a defensive rebounding standpoint. But you make a good point. And when the Lakers aren't getting out in transition, that half-court offense has looked really clunky. They're not running a lot of plays. They aren't – when AD's been posting up and seen extra help, he's been getting better and better. And the Lakers have done more and more of countering that help and getting the ball to the right open player. But with him out that last game, we saw a lot more Trez posting up and he's not been making those reads all that well. Uh, so it's 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 tough for offense to run. Or we're seeing LeBron run ball screens where he's just kind of like taking two or three steps side to side, trying to get a switch or trying to thread a needle through two or three dudes to the short roll. Um, it just doesn't look aesthetically pleasing. It doesn't seem like a like I don't feel belief when I watch it uh, that like, man, we're getting good shots or we're pressuring the defense in the right ways. So against some of these bad teams, you'd think this would be a good time to experiment. I'd love to see the team try a little bit more to, I don't know, just run some set plays, get some guys going and down, going downhill, run some, I think some horns type sets where you've got your two big men at the mm-hmm. elbows, shooters in the corner, LeBron up top, where he can pass it to one of the elbows, maybe Marcus all. And then yeah. you can really easily flow into off ball screening actions. Either guys curling to the rim or sprinting off of a pin down or setting back screens for cutters. That's a really good way to utilize the skill set you have in Gasol as a playmaker from a, from the high post rather than the low post. Uh, and then if that doesn't work, then he just dribbles towards the guard and executes a handoff rather than dumping it into the low post to less of a playmaking guy in Trez and, and hoping something will happen other than him scoring. And, and he's done well at scoring. I don't want to take anything away from him, but you want to yeah. be able to have other options off of it because defenses are going to notice that and send extra help knowing he's not going to pass out. The same way the Lakers defended Carmelo Anthony last playoffs where it was like, this dude's never passing out of ISO. So we're just going to send an extra dude, lower his efficiency, and he's still not going to burn us for it. So it's not, I mean, Trez isn't quite that bad with it but that's the uh the slippery slope you want to avoid and i think running some of those one four high sets where you've got four offensive players along the wings and the elbows like in a straight line or the horn sets naturally flow into a lot of handoff or back screen or down screen actions that allow your playmakers which now are like gasol and lebron to be able to play make a little bit more and you can utilize the great cutting and uh shooting skill sets you have around them I mean, every team needs to throw up last second 
last second shots. And that's what those isolations are for. Mm -hmm. In my opinion is when you get the ball with six seconds left and you know, the first 15 seconds of your possession didn't work out the way you want it. That's where it's great to have those, you know, offensive superstars that can bail you out. But yeah, like to your point, it's not a first option, but Tim, this almost knocked me out of my chair right now. Looking up, cleaning the glass. OKC. you know where they ranked him in offensive rebound percentage this season per cleaning the glass. They're pretty poor, right? They're thirtieth. Exactly. Ooh, wow! Okay, nineteen point six percent of their shots are rebounded by them. Jeez! And we gave up twenty eight point two. So now that says to me, it's a lot more on the effort end. And you know, there's no stat to for us to say really that we can sit and say concretely, right, that yeah, this team just didn't try. But if you do watch against these bad teams, it does seem to be the case. So we just got to see them try a little bit harder outside of the... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fourth quarter. And, uh, but... I'm I'm confident they'll be able to beat this team. You know, OKC is 28th in points per possession, uh, or excuse me, points per 100 possessions, 105.8. Not a bad defense, 17th, 112.3, but they're not that good to where the, they could hold the Lakers to. I didn't think the Lakers were going to score 100 in regular, like it, in the, the game. So uh, they put it on in the fourth and they got it done. Hopefully we'll see them do it again. But Tim, let's take a quick break here and then we'll come back and do uh, the Grizzlies and a little bit on the Nuggets to end this preview for the week. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Okay, Tim, we are back. Um, we are facing this week as well the Memphis Grizzlies. When and we had a back-to-back -back with them earlier in January, and John Morett was out. And in the first game, Lakers handled business pretty well, winning by 16, and the second game was a little bit closer. So, Tim, give me your uh, temperature taste on this team. Uh, I can give you the, the little stats, but I, I want to get your feel for it, and then it'll uh, come back to me for the, the overview. I don't 
think they're a team that should beat the Lakers. Given how the Lakers have played recently, they certainly can beat the Lakers. But they're not the most impressive team, especially offensively. I think this is a team that we should be able to hold down a bit. Defensively, they'll run a bunch of different screen coverages. They'll really mix it up. They'll show hard. They'll they'll run catch hedges among the highest of any team. They'll switch a good bit. They'll ice some stuff. They'll play drop coverage. Um, So it kind of depends on how they want to approach us. And then we'll have to counter from there, but at least defending their offense, if you can contain John Morant, I think you've got a really good shot at defending this team. Valanciunas though, he's a guy that will attack you in the post. So if, if we're not sending any extra help, uh, we may have a, a mismatch there. That's something that they'll go to a good bit each game. So be ready for that. Be ready to send a little bit of extra help, just like we did on Jokic, and see if they're able to counter it well. Be ready to attack those catch hedges, but I believe the Lakers should have too much trouble with. But given the state of the Lakers right now, it's it may be another close game. It's interesting. So including the last games that the Lakers played on the 3rd of January and the 5th of January. So including those games, the last 14 for the Grizzlies are LLL, seven wins, LLLL. So they're coming into the Lakers game, at least for now, with a four game losing streak. Uh, You know, streaky teams, you're often young as well. As they, you know, get runs in the schedule, they get a groove and then, yeah, they can't bring themselves back out of the doldrums. But so it, to be fair, they play Indy, Houston, New Orleans, Toronto. So decent teams, not bad teams. It, they're pretty much all in the middle, you know, grouping of the NBA. Um, don't think we'll see Jer- Jaron Jackson Jr. back just yet. So it seems that this team is more or less what we saw the first two games plus uh, healthier John Morant. But do you expect the Lakers to, I, I just feel like Tim, I can see him going off in the first half and then having to adjust their ball coverages, you know, in the second half because they're not being as aggressive and he's going to reject a bunch of screens that I can see like a big jaw dunk. Um, off rejecting one of those catch hedges. So what do you, how, how do you think they approach attacking that John Morant matchup and focusing on him? My guess is that they'll continue catch hedging and hope he doesn't reject. They, they need to have a point of emphasis being the guards need to funnel him towards the screen. He needs to use the screen or if he's, I don't know, going off his right hand and you want to be weaking that be on the same page and weak that action, but having the big man, be in the right position to stop him before he can get ahead of steam, I think is is a good way to try to defend him. That backline help needs to be ready, be active, whether that's, I don't know, we've seen everybody. We've seen Wes, we've seen THT, we've seen LeBron, Kuzma. Having extra, not primary shot blockers, but little guys that can then get in there and, and cause some issues too, I think is going to be a big thing because he's going to collapse the defense at times, but is not the the type of guy I'd want to just play drop coverage against and invite him to attack given the big men that we have. But he's really that one core offensive piece for them. Dylan Brooks is going to get a bunch of volume, but he's he's not been super effective and he's someone that you feel fine with him getting the volume. Like he'll put some numbers up, but generally it's less efficient and I'm, I'm certainly fine inviting him to ISO or run ball screens. Um, 
I don't know. This is a, it's a weird team because they're not very good. They have some individual players I like, like Xavier Tillman. I love uh, D'Anthony mm-hmm. Melton. He's he's been a very positively impactful guy. Kyle Anderson's very good defensively. Valanciunas is good defensively, but overall, they they just haven't quite put it all together this year. What you don't like Dylan Brooks? <laughs> he's he shouldn't be leading their team in points. Or, I'm sorry, minutes per game. They when we look at their minutes per game compared to their LeBron values, they have a like a negative one correlation <laughs> between like they're they're playing the wrong guys higher minutes. And some of that's like injuries lowering the total minutes, but this is on a minute per game basis. So that should kind of negate injuries for the most part. They're 29th of 30 teams in terms of playing their better players more minutes. Which is not good. That's not great. Um, yeah. So going back to that uh, couple matchups, we played them. We had a 116.1 offensive rating in the first game and a 96.9 offensive rating in the second game. Um, and we were consistent on defense, uh, 97.9 in the first, 96.8 in the second. So again, no John Morant there, but. Anthony Davis and LeBron both had pretty good games and the superstars definitely drove us to victories there. And I expect that to be similar in this situation with, uh, you know, it's tough for, for Memphis to match up with, with LeBron and AD as it is with a lot of teams in the league. So should be fun. Could be a trap game just, uh, based on this week and them playing lame competition. Like this is really the first week, Tim, that I've felt like, and I got it's probably a couple of weeks sooner for the players. This is like the dregs of the season. You know what I mean? I don't know if you saw this. I thought it was interesting. An Indiana Pacers head coach, or excuse me, assistant coach, resigned citing mental health reasons. I, I is I. This seems like maybe tough and the in a different way as the bubble, but as tough. In these guys can't go outside of their hotel rooms. We've talked about how little they can practice. Like these are teammates who can't even go and like play cards in the hotel lobby or something. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just wonder how it's getting to two months in the season and how guys keep, keep it up for now 72 games. So that's, I know, you know, no data or anything. It's just kind of like empathizing with a lot of these guys out there. So this could be a, a, a time for a lot of weird shit going on in the league. Yeah, yeah. The, the guys got to stay together, stay mentally tough. But at, at the same time, like it's not just like, oh, you got to be tough sort of thing. Like m- mental health issues are very real. And this is a very vulnerable situation given everything that's going on. So you feel for everyone involved, hope they're able to get through it and rely on the, on that team and the coaching and the, the support staff and everything um, to be able to get through this grind. I, I mean, like I feel like we're going through the grind and like yeah. This is something that happens for a couple hours a day for us. Yeah. Uh, for this to be everything for them and them not being able to have any of those other components, certainly a, a different world. And uh, I, I'm happy that we're able to just kind of have it as a, a side sort of thing that we're able to enjoy um, sure. and, and bring us enjoyment and bring us entertainment, even when it hasn't been all that entertaining and we're complaining, you know, oh, the Lakers yeah. have won five in a row, but it hasn't looked pretty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, no that's, that's, that's a I great mean. call out. Like, like just with oh, Detroit and OKC again, OKC and then Memphis. Like these guys have pro- probably be like, all right, this is the week that like, yeah, I'm like I'm a, we want to win. But like, I'm just, you know, the fuel can only take you so far. Um, but speaking of the five game win streak, Tim, in the middle of that is 
an insanely impressive defensive performance against Denver in the second half uh, of that game with them. Now, it was pretty ugly in the first half with Denver pretty much dominating, you know, getting out to a 10 plus point lead, keeping that for most of the half. But in the second half, I think it was something like 68 to 38 or something differential in points, insane defense leading to their offense. Um, Jokic has been balling lately, definitely an MVP candidate. We kind of touched on them a little bit, a couple pods ago, Tim, but after seeing that game against Denver, I uh, like, what do you expect more? Like the first half or the second half of the Lakers? Probably something in the middle. Uh, if AD is playing, LA will be in much better shape. And this game isn't until Saturday, I believe. So mm-hmm. we have a, a little bit of time there with the Achilles with AD. I don't know exactly what that timetable looks like, but if he's back, I like our opportunity to win this one. Um, last game we saw in that second half, some really good, post like team defense on Jokic, which is a, a big key with him. Uh, we see other teams do it against the Lakers offense. This was the first game that I really noticed uh, LA committing to do it, to, to stop an opposing offensive player to really help Trez out or help Gasol out. They didn't make these guys defend on an island against somebody who's having an MVP caliber season. Now that Denver has that film, I expect them to come into this game a little bit more prepared, countering what we're doing a bit. And this will be the first time we get to see L.A. engage in that chess match. If they're cutting through against our help on the high side, what do we do? Is that it? Or do we bump somebody over from over from the weak side to be a second help defender? What what are what does that X's and O's matchup look like? Um, this is one that might be fun to stream and, and break down uh, exactly what that looks like. But uh, I I, I believe, and I, if we ignore what happened the past couple games, LA looked really good in that second half. So that's the team I want to see. I would be interested to see what the rotation looks like for LA at that point. If Caruso's back, if AD's back, are they running 10 guys? Are they running nine guys again? Are they back to 11? I, I think I have interest in seeing a 10-man rotation with West but without Keefe and just having AD Same. play more of those power forward minutes, give West a chance to play more small forward minutes, which... He's he's at a he's playing less slot. He he's not playing his good his well. I I can't talk right now. He, he's not been playing well uh, in terms of the percentage of the time that he's slotted well defensively. He's he's being asked to do the wrong things. I looked at the percentage of the time he's guarding different positions, and he's more away from his ideal defensive state than he's been in several years. Um, so LA has taken an okay defender and made them look pretty bad. I think if this uh, injury situation and if we come back with that 10-man rotation and Keith's out of it and he's in it, he's playing three LeBrons at the four, that gives him a chance to run in some better lineups, no more lineup of meh, and we get to see him being uh, doing doing what he's better at. And offensively, you're adding a dude that's been one of our top spot-up shooters into a, a team that I think can add, they can use some shooting. Caruso and THT are being helped off of. Denver was one of those teams helping off of them. So having extra shooters out there will be important. And we're coming into enough of a sample where we started the season shooting the ball really well. And since, and I I, maybe I'll look into this deeper have really shot the ball poorly, frankly. And uh, maybe they're regressing to the mean, or maybe they're not the best shooting team. Um, I, I think they have decent shooting, but you know, we'll, we'll put a pin in that for now, but Tim, Here's something crazy about that Denver game. 60% of the Lakers shots came at the rim or corner threes. Wow. For 49% at the rim, 
11% corner threes. Those are both on the higher end of percentiles. And the Lakers shot 77.1% at the rim. So That's pretty I, good. <laughs> those are the shots you want to get against the Nikola Jokic-led defense, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're a weaker rim protection team given who they have back there. So when you can be slashing to the rim and attacking it and going at Jokic as a help defender – you're in pretty good shape. And THT and Schroeder and LeBron, they can all be doing that. AD, when he's attacking downhill, can do that. It's it's one of those teams that you want to be attacking the rim towards the rim rather than posting up and fading mm-hmm. away uh, and, and you know start closer but finish further away. This is the type of team you want to be penetrating against and creating good offense. And because they're a worse rim protecting team, they have to collapse a little bit more. And that's what leads to those kick out open corner threes like we saw in the last game. So play the right way go play inside to outside instead of uh, perimeter first, and you'll be able to create some of those good perimeter shots. Yeah. THT seven for 10 in this one, uh, getting to the cup quite a bit. Uh, Schroeder with 21 as well. This was definitely something like, you know, seeing these teams match up, it was pretty clear to me, Tim, even though they only played for one half that the Lakers are significantly better than the Denver Nuggets. Um, do you do you feel that way? I think they can be. I don't know if they'll play like that on Saturday. I think the second half of the last game showed us what it can look like. It's if LA gives them, if we give them our A game and they give us their A game, we should be able to beat them by a dozen points. I think. So I'm just trying healthy. to to frame like, okay, we obviously have the Lakers as a, like a tier one team mm-hmm. as far as title contention. Do you say that Denver is like a tier two or a tier three? I guess it depends how you break the teams up, but they're definitely not in the same tier as the Lakers. Right. So, I mean, that like I would say that they're probably like tier three in, in kind of how who, I can Who are your tier two and three teams then? Honestly, all right, so like, tier one, let's tier say Lakers. Tier probably just the Lakers. Like, okay. And tier two is probably Bucks, Nets, Clippers. Okay. Maybe even just the Clippers, to be honest with you. I put the Bucks and the Nets in there, at least for right now. And then tier three would be like the bundle of good teams, but I'm not sure. The Sixers, the Nuggets, the gosh, you know, that's where it gets kind of like uh, Utah. Who else? Utah, Utah. And they probably should be arguing that they're, you know, higher up there with a better record than the Lakers. Utah, yeah, first place. The Sixers are first place in the East. You just put the two first place teams in like the, oh, just that other group of of teams tier. I'd probably go. So I think, I don't know if I'm, I'm not ready to put the Lakers in their own tier just yet. I think for right now, we need to see more separation. We need to see more consistent good play. I think the potential like LA at their peak form is really, really good. I think like the Nets at their peak form are really, really good. So for right now, I'm going to say tier one is Lakers, Clippers, Bucks and Nets. And then the Sixers and the Jazz are probably in the next group for me. And then I'd probably put the Nuggets in there with like, I don't know who, like, I don't know who I'd put in maybe like the Celtics, I guess. And perhaps the Suns. I don't know. I'm not ready to put the Suns in that. So probably a top four team in the West, you would say. And they just showed that they were when they wanted to, when they locked in, they they dominated that team. You know, you're they're depending mm-hmm. on Isaiah Hartenstein, man, to go out there and like not give up layups time and again. 
And the, they didn't target him in the first, but they finally did in the second. And it's just like, the, you know, it's game over. Like mm-hmm. the foot on your neck type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The Denver top to bottom, I don't think can compete with the Lakers top to bottom when the Lakers are playing the well, playing well as you, I don't know if you could hear this, but my dogs, he got wrapped in my cords and then just pulled them all at once. <laughs> and things are fl- like, things literally just flew. Uh, that's all right, man. Uh, I think we're getting close to wrapping up here anyway. So I I would probably predict like a three in one week, Tim. Uh, we already got one off the thunder. I, I Just where they're at in this season, I, I think it might be the Grizz game, to be honest with you, that they drop and, and John Morant scores 35 because, you know, Dennis Schroeder gets three fouls in the first quarter or something like that. I, it's 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 in the realm of possibility. Caruso sits again, so I'm 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 gonna say three and one. Uh, not that I put a prediction on you, making you make a prediction. That's just uh, where I'm going with. I think that sounds pretty good. About you know, considering how the Lakers have played this year, who they're playing against, I thir- I certainly think that we could see an undefeated stretch here. Uh, of these three teams, Denver should push them the most, and. Denver's the most recent team we looked really good against. So in the back of your mind, that's that's there. But OKC and Memphis, if LA gives them their A game or even their B game, we should win both of those games for sure. All right, man. Well, we'll be back on Friday. Uh, I say maybe we open it up to a mailbag because I'm not even sure what people want to hear us talk about in the, you know, second month of the season. Uh, So, yeah, get at us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitch where we stream the games often. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Short and sweet. Let's do it. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.